0: Thank okay. you.
1: Welcome back to On the Road with Legal Talk Network. This is Lawrence Coletti, and this is day two of our ABA Tech Show 2023 coverage here in Chicago, Illinois. And joining us now, I have a wonderful panel of guests fresh off the keynote, and they just presented the public hearing on proposals to amendment rules of professional conduct 5.4 and 5.5. So if you have not studied the MPRE, prepare yourself. Dust off that book, and uh, we'll get started. So I guess that's the opening question, but first, uh, let me uh, introduce the guests. So we have Linda Sheely, Darth Vaughn, we have Jane Reardon, and Ed Walters joining us today. Welcome to the show, everybody.
2: Thanks. Great Thanks. to be here.
1: All right, so we did a little bit of a pregame, because I have to admit, it's been a little while since I've studied the MPRE, so there's a little bit of a refresher course. So let's get the general synopsis on 5.4, 5.5. Uh, what are those?
0: So... Model Rule 5.4, and and just to clarify, we didn't have an official public hearing. It was a fictional public hearing, and our disclaimer is that we were not actually considering changes to Model Rule 5.4 for people who are not geeks in ethics. 5.4 is a rule that says that lawyers cannot share legal fees with non-lawyers, and we can't partner with non-lawyers. There are no changes pending at the American Bar Association. Yes, I've said it three times, because ABA will have my head if I don't say that. There are no changes pending, but some states have made some changes, including Utah and Arizona. And Arizona now permits non-lawyers to have some ownership interest in law firms, but it's highly regulated. But let's talk about 5.5. 5.5 is the unauthorized practice of law rule. That's the rule that says that only lawyers admitted in a jurisdiction should practice law. We can't assist the unauthorized practice of law. And we're limited to where we can practice law. And that rule is pending some changes at the American Bar Association to provide a little bit more flexibility to say why can't a lawyer move to a different state and continue to practice law even if they're not admitted in that state as long as they disclose to their clients where they are admitted. The changes are things that we're trying to address the realities of technology as well as factors involving non-lawyers who are practicing law now, including apparently AI, which is kind of scary. But uh, to keep our profession relevant and to keep us accountable, uh, we're considering changes, and those changes are on the ABA website if anybody's interested in them.
1: Okay, I understand that these uh, proposed changes have something to do with disruptions and other industries handle disruptions a little bit differently. So let's use that as our starting point and then we'll get into what these amendments are.
3: I mean, look, we're in a time of disruption in this industry, probably more than I've ever seen it. And I expect, uh, given where we are with some technological advances, I think we're going to see a revolution in the way we practice. With that comes the reality that disruption Affects the status quo, right? So when you look at what happened in, say, you know, rideshare, if you looked in 2014, the vast majority of people on business trips were using rental cars or they were using taxis and not many were using uh, rideshare. You look four years later and it completely flips. The value of a taxi medallion goes from, you know, about a million dollars down to 130,000 four years later. So if you have a medallion, you say that's a bad deal, but if you think about it, the public now has more options, right? They can get from point A to point B. There are more income streams being created uh, as uh, individuals decide to uh, work is, in one of the ride-sharing platforms, and taxi cabs still exist. So it's not like they can't coexist, right? It's just the public at large
1: probably has more options. Yeah, they have to compete, and uh, you know that's it goes along. I mean, it seems like these changes, the pace of change just keeps increasing. And so, you know, unfortunately, regulatory bodies are unable to keep up with this. And so I know, Ed, you have some thoughts on this disruption aspect of it.
4: Yeah, so I, it seems to me like the big issue is just product market fit. There are four consumers who are not getting legal services for everyone that does. The 2014 American Bar Foundation survey and many surveys since then have established about 20% of people with legal problems are able to get help from a lawyer or from the legal services market. And so... Uh, is, is the problem that legal services are too expensive is the problem kind of an exogenous poverty problem? We can't make people wealthy enough to afford legal services. I think the biggest problem is risk When uh, a client hires a lawyer, we put all the risk on that client They're gonna have to pay for whatever the hourly rate is to get their problem solved and there's there's no really There's really no way for them to know ahead of time what that's going to cost and so I think you know, people in some cases could afford legal services, but they're afraid to because they, there's a risk that they might get a very large bill for it. And so one of the things we're talking about is making a profession that meets the needs of clients and consumers. So you have that kind of product market fit between people who need legal services and lawyers who provide it. And if we do that right, it makes the market even bigger. So like Darth was saying before, like. In Darth's example about uh, rideshare, the market for Uber and Lyft is vastly bigger than the taxi market because there was an underserved latent population that needed a different way of getting from point A to point B. And in that same way, clients have way more legal problems than we're addressing today. And it could be a bigger market if we get the product market fit right for the delivery of legal services.
1: Well, that's a great jumping off point. So I want to talk about these amendments, the 5.4 and 5.5, these proposed amendments. So let's get into how things might be different if the proposed amendments get picked up.
2: So there is no amendment to 5.4 oh. as Linda said, pending, but the ABA is considering a proposal that originally came out of the Association for Professional Responsibility Lawyers to amend Rule 5.5. And today's session was um, structured to get people to think about the rules. We, we, we have a legal system and a regulatory system created by lawyers for lawyers, how can we change? Change that regulatory system to better serve, as Ed said, this latent market, and frankly, better serve lawyers. Many Solos and Smalls are dying on the vine. The regulations are no longer helpful to them either. And I think the session was really very interactive and people seemed open and not negative. Lawyers are very um, risk uh, change averse. And uh, yet the conversation was really quite uh, robust and, and inquisitive and creative. And Linda um, in particular can speak to the 5.5 questions that came from the audience.
0: Well, and 5.5 again is the unauthorized practice of law and the proposed changes that the ABA is considering uh, would not extend permitting technology, for instance, or other non-lawyers, and I know everybody hates that word, uh, to practice law. What it would do is, uh, give, we'll give the concrete example, I can sit in Arizona where I'm admitted and give temporary advice about Illinois ethics law. I'm competent in that area and I can do that. But I can't move to Illinois and practice Illinois ethics law unless I take another bar exam or at least pay bar dues to another jurisdiction, Illinois. So the proposals would permit me to move to another jurisdiction, practice the law there, without having to take another bar exam. But I have to disclose to clients, hey, by the way, I'm only admitted in Arizona, but I'm competent in this practice area. So that's the change that's pending. And some of the concerns we hear um, about those changes actually have to do with implementation. It's more of what happens if Linda violates the law and hurts somebody in Illinois. She's not paying bar dues there. So how does the Illinois regulatory system afford to have all these out-of-state lawyers move there who aren't aren't admitted there? So implementation issues of how are we going to afford to have this system? How are we going to make sure that the people are competent? And what disclosures have to be made?
1: Well, just out of curiosity, I mean, bar dues, I mean... It's not that they're not an expense, but in the course of everything, they're not the biggest expense. And so my question is, if you're going to regularly practice in the state and you're going to be amongst the attorneys there, why not pay bar dues and just be admitted without taking the bar?
0: That's absolutely one option. Would I pay a registration fee? Like in-house counsel, if they move hypothetically from California to Michigan and they're not admitted in Michigan, Darth... Um, would you be registered as an in-house counsel? That's one option too, so that the regulators would also know who's in their state.
1: Yeah, I could definitely see that. I mean, if, you, if people are gonna be practicing law in your state, um, you wanna know who's there practicing. I think that's okay. So the
3: reality of it is, is, lawyers are practicing all over the country anyway. I have national counsel that appears in multiple jurisdictions. So we hire local counsel uh, as required. But the idea that this individual who has already appeared in this jurisdiction multiple times doesn't know what they're doing is a little ridiculous at this point.
0: And doesn't that increase the cost to you, the client?
3: Yeah, it does. And it is hard to justify the added expense given the fact
4: that this individual has shown over multiple matters that they are competent in this jurisdiction, right? I'd love to zoom out for just one second. Uh, One of the things we were talking about uh, in this session is what the rules are here for in the first place. And Jane, maybe you want to say a word about that.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think what gets lost a lot in this discussion is why do we have the rules of professional conduct to begin with. And the model rules have right in the preamble, our regulations are to be conceived in the public interest and not in the furtherance of the parochial interests of the bar. And if I can stress in the public interest, this is people who may be clients but more importantly the vast number of would-be consumers who don't get legal services i think we as a profession have to consider our obligations are to the public not to just existing clients or to ourselves and 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 we tried to frame that up in in the conversation today and i think it led to constructive discussion
1: let's talk about the constructive discussion so obviously the pros and cons I'm sure were suggested you know uh, trying to come up with a new way to make this proposed amendment happen what would that look like to the regulatory body so what were some of the ideas that people shared with, uh, with you all when you're on stage
2: yeah most of them were here's a scenario and these are the regulatory barriers to me getting help and we'd say yes those are barriers and we're trying to get rid of those barriers so the comments seem to be pro-regulatory reform.
0: And some of the concerns had to do with actually a concern about non-lawyers practicing law. And I know it, just from Arizona's experience 20 years ago, permitting document preparers to be certified and licensed to prepare certain documents, we heard that's, they're going to provide terrible services because they're not lawyers, and you're going to eliminate lawyers neither of those things have happened in the past 20 years. We have even more lawyers than we had before. We haven't eliminated will and estate planning lawyers. And as long as you regulate who's providing the legal services so that they have to be accountable, we haven't had a significant problem with incompetent document preparation. Any other suggestions?
2: That came out of the hearing, I can't really remember. I was very gratified that most of the comments were pointing to a lot of friction in the existing system. There was one comment, um, and by the way, to just back up, we had assigned stakeholder tables and we had people kind of get in the mood of representing their stakeholders. And one gentleman was a solo and small firm practitioner and he said, hey, you know, is my practice gonna go away? if these regulations are opened up. And Linda address that.
0: With our hypothetical change in allowing non-lawyer ownership, uh, what we're seeing in Arizona is actually that investors are hiring the solos and small firms and being able to provide them with the capital so that they can acquire more technology to become competitive.
4: And guess what? Did the sky fall in Arizona? Not yet. In Washington, D.C., there has been liberalized Rule 5.4 access so that allied professionals can own parts of law firms. Law firms seem to be doing just fine in Washington, D.C. in that environment. In uh, Utah, where there's a sandbox, did the sky fall? It did not. And you know what we're protecting, uh, people who are worried about protecting the profession might forget, Like we imagine that uh, the perception in the world is that Law firms are very lucrative businesses, but the average law firm makes, I think the average lawyer in America right now makes about $88,000 per year, which means there's as many people making more as there are less. There are lots of lawyers who are making 50, $60,000 a year. There's a much bigger market for legal services, probably double the size that it is. And so if we can have a, a change to the rules that recognizes we're living in a time of disruption, as Darth says, and that can reach that latent market people who really want legal services but can't find it and then help lawyers to build more scaled legal practices it really has the potential for everyone to win and more most importantly as jane says if you're taking the point of view of a consumer somebody who needs legal help what is going to be best for them is it going to be to build the walls even higher or is it going to be to change the way we conceive of legal services? It is almost certainly going to be the latter.
3: Change is difficult. It's scary. It's not a reason not to do it, right? If you can make something better, embrace it and get ahead of it instead of finding yourself falling victim to the actual disruption.
1: Well, that's well said. I think that's where we'll leave it for our episode today. But I I do want to leave an opportunity for everybody to leave some contact information for our listeners if they want to follow up and uh, learn a little bit more about uh, your presentation and the things discussed here. So why don't we start with Linda?
0: I can be reached at my law firm and you can Google me, Linda Sheely, S-H-E-L-Y at the Sheely Firm in Scottsdale, Arizona. Darth.
3: Suppose you could try to connect with me on LinkedIn. I check it about once a month.
0: Oh, and this is at the tech
2: conference. He says that. <laughs> um, jane Reardon, I uh, recently left the Commission on Professionalism of the Illinois Supreme Court. You can reach me at jane at
4: janereardon.com. And uh, you can reach me by, uh, by fax. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but only if there's a wet ink signature on what you send. I need a clean scan. Uh, no, you can reach me on Twitter at EJ Walters. And
1: I can I can testify to this. Ed's it's good follow. So if anybody's out there, you should follow my Twitter.
2: Absolutely.
1: All right. Well, thank you so much, listeners, for tuning in. And if you're at ABA Tech Show, it's a little bit of time left. We're at booth 735. And if you're not, if you do us a favor, follow us, subscribe, or give us a review in your favorite podcasting app. It's good for our show, good for the network. We're in Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon Music, and also Stitch all the major podcasting apps. Till next time, I'm Lawrence Coletti. Thank you for listening. You can listen to On the Road Legal Talk Network. Consult a lawyer.